Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of The Smartest Amazon Seller. Got a good show, but first I uh, have a request. I just want to have fun with something. See, on my show right now on iTunes, I don't have any two-star ratings. So if you haven't given me a rating yet, come in and uh, give the show a two-star rating. Let's just have fun with it. And then if you're being generous, uh, we can wait a few weeks. I'll remind you. And then let's turn that frown upside down into a five-star rating. It's just really lonely not having any two-star ratings. Like people have given a three, a four, and a one, but no two. There's a ton of fives out there. So I've got a a really good uh, average, but let's bring it down. Let's have some fun. So, okay. I have had quite the past couple of weeks. I've got more than I could talk about in one show of just things that have happened. My favorite was, um, so last week I went to Indianapolis to our warehouse to visit it, got a lot of insights and made a lot of changes. And then I hopped on over to New York City. The main reason was to do the New York City Marathon. But I know um, that, you know, New York is a, a, a really strong hub for uh, sellers. Actually, on my Instagram metrics, New York um, is by far the most represented of the uh, followers of that account. I mean, it is the biggest city, but like, I still think even including that, it, it, there is an outsized energy. Anyone that's showed up at a lot of trade shows has known that. And so because of that, I was like, well, I want to meet some people. I had a day or two to, to burn and um, I got a lot of good responses. And then that inspired me to like, well, let's just like, let's do this for real and let's have a meetup. And, um, and I was one or two conversations away from actually getting this meetup sponsored. It was awesome. I, I know that anyone that was there, like everyone like thanked me, like, like uh, there was a lot of energy, a lot of really smart guys um, there, uh, some new sellers and some more experienced sellers. We had uh, um, some private label represented and some wholesale just um, across the board. I was definitely um, surrounded by people that, that, had been in the trenches and there was a lot of, a lot of really good insights. Uh, I actually don't know the full landscape of software tools that are out there. Every single time I, I talk to someone, there's, there's more out there. So, and, and they're accomplishing new things. So that's always impressive. And there was, I wrote down maybe five different things that I wanted to look up. So it was just awesome. And I mean, on top of that, it was sponsored. Like this meal was, was paid for and just a, a chance to, to, to meet in downtown uh, New York City. Like everyone, I think, you know, felt um, it was well worth it. And it just got me uh, going that I'm going to plan on doing some more of these because I, I actually have uh, a few other services that would sponsor it. And I mean, I think the trade-off is, I mean, um, more than worth it. A one or two minute spiel from a, uh, a sponsor in, uh, for free food. I'll take that any day. And half the time the sponsor does say like worthwhile things. They are um, going to be talking about uh, specific Amazon services and what we all could uh, be incorporating different things into our business. 
And so I'm looking to do more. Um, I think my first ideas are actually, so I live in Salt Lake City. I'm going to do here one in Utah. There's definitely a lot of sellers here. Um, And uh, San Diego. So if you're in the areas and if you're interested, reach out. But I am not against going to many other places. I, I know some other, some very influential people in the Bay Area um, that they could host a meetup on their own, but I want to jump in and, and maybe um, uh, we, could, we could host one together. And I've looked into uh, Texas and Chicago are, are very likely as well um, with uh, the, the connections that I have in those places. But uh, any city is up for grabs. You know, you get enough sellers in the room, then you have a very valuable room of people that that I just want to be around and and learn from and uh, bring in, you know, to uh, just into my network. It was so clear um, that being around business owners, like just what kind of energy and ideas that y- you can spawn from them. So um, hopefully you'll hear more about that in the future, but reach out if any time, if you think um, we should be considering a, a different location and um, even some of these might even be worth traveling for. I definitely always want them to have like a small uh, meetup vibe where there's opportunity to meet with anyone and to like, um, these people do have the same experiences as you. I've been to, you know, 20 trade shows and you can quickly talk to the person next to you and realize that you, you go through the same things. But um, I do think that we can bring in some um, very skilled and knowledgeable people and probably have them speak for like five to 10 minutes. I want to keep the speeches short and to the point. My mindset is like, if you can't you know, get something interesting across in five minutes, then you know, your message is definitely uh, fuzzy. And enough that like if they want to learn more, you know, they say, say I go up there and talk about one of my uh, podcast episodes, a subject that I like, I could do it in like three minutes. And if you want to learn more, like there's chances to learn more. You could always contact me or just listen to the episode. And I, I think I want to bring, you know, with these meetups, I want to get other people that are also knowledgeable on a subject. It's kind of like a mini conference, but I, I just want to be a little bit less formal, like because I think it's, it's, it's like, it's more effective. It's, it's better for connection. And, and I want more ideas faster. That's maybe the way I work. Sometimes these conferences actually get quite boring because, you know, you get eight hours of the day and like, you know, six different speakers, like that's a ton of time, um, for them. I would rather have a, uh, just a really fast paced, you know, like, Hey, I'm really good at this uh, service. I know how to do global selling. Boom, boom, boom. I know how to uh, source in China. Boom, boom, boom. Here's some. Here's how I use a freight forwarder or photography and like give a five minute spiel, and then on we go. So as you can see, I've talked about it for six minutes already, and um, it's not what I intended to talk about. So uh, this episode, I wanted to focus on an issue that was actually brought up in the meetups is like, uh, once you get your own warehouse and what kind of things should you consider? We, in the, in the space of e-commerce, it's just kind of a warehouse space. And the, the more you, you embrace that, the more you love it, the more fun it is. Like warehouses can be a, a fun place to work and uh, you can definitely accomplish a lot with one in optimizing your business. You know, it won't take long for the warehouse expense to justify itself and to, and to pay dividends. 
I know people that have gotten a warehouse as small as one or two employees uh, because if you're doing lots of boxes and you know you're ordering stuff that's like maybe one or two pallets of stuff like it's start it's hard to work out of a house or sometimes even if you have a brick and mortar it's hard to work out of your back shipping room if it, if you haven't accommodated for that and that's why you might need to consider like you know even a small warehouse you can get some, them for for rather cheap I'll talk about things that we consider in a warehouse. I've uh, toured, you know, a dozen of them and we have expanded um, about five different times. And each time, you know, it gave us a new, you know, space and, you know, a capability. We're right now about 50,000 square feet. We probably uh, started, you know, our first was at 800 square feet. Then we went to 3,000 and then, to, you know, 10,000, 15. And then we kept adding things. Our warehouses are actually disjointed right now. They're on the same complex, but like um, we actually made it work. It's not that big of a deal to be in the same room or not. I mean, we do have a lot of divisions amongst um uh, like our, our employees are on different teams and they're working on their own shipments, but they're able to share a lot of resources. Uh, so here's the things that I uh, consider. So with a uh, warehouse space, you're obviously, you, most of the time it's, it's priced per square foot and certain parts of the country are more expensive than others. That's just a fact. And then certain parts of a city are more expensive than other parts of a city. And, that's going to motivate you in certain ways, but I do think you need to really consider, you know, what part of a city are you in? Because as you grow, as you hire, um, that's going to be the, the talent pool that you're pulling from. If you are in a college town, you're going to be getting, you know, those uh, transient college students. They're probably uh, smarter and uh, more motivated than uh, your average 21-year-old, but they may not last a few years, and they probably value flexibility. I have seen, uh, I actually really enjoy that um, group. They're, they're, they're fun to work with. You, they're probably undervalued because of how much flexibility they kind of want in their lives. You know, they want to be part-time and I just think you have to really consider, you know, where you're locating your warehouse. That's what you're going to get. There are, uh, you know, take Indianapolis. Uh, there's, I mean, this, this, this conversation could, uh, if I don't say my words right, can be very politically incorrect. But I mean, there are some realities of socioeconomic status. And in Indianapolis alone, you know, there are pockets where um, there are more affluent families. And um, it's just like, everything's like really nice. And then there's, there's places that are a little bit, I would just describe it as blue collar. You know, you got people that work and I, you know, it could be related to how, the, how well is the school systems set up in, in, in these areas and the graduation rates. If the graduation rates are low in an area, then that's the type of employees that are going to be uh, applying. And I do think that um, this type of warehouse work, uh, you do need some critical thinking because, uh, we we throw a lot on our employees that makes them think on their toes. They have to make decisions that actually have a financial impact on us, and so we've had to do a lot to um, you know train and 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 make sure. Our, I mean, like right now, our employee set in Indianapolis is the best we've ever had, but um, 
as we have thought about moving around, you definitely need to think about the location. Just like talk about it. Think about what type of employees you're going for. Um, even if you're at two to five employees, like it, it, it does matter um, who you bring in because what kind of motivation and uh, skills that they have and what are their salary expectations. Um, you got to be thinking about if you say your, your shipping is shut down for seven days or you run out of product, you don't have anything to do. What is the expectation of these employees? Are they going to expect that you pay them for that time or are they going to embrace uh, some days off? Just maybe they don't want to have uh, two or three days of where they can just go and do other side projects that they have or just, or just take a chill day. Um, so they're going to have different expectations out of you as an employer. And I actually think that's probably the first decision is location. So what a warehouse as you grow allows you, has allowed us to do is things that we didn't intend on doing. We just wanted it to be like a kind of a cross dock where we, uh, you know, we were able to prep products as they come in and then ship them right out. So we don't put that burden on our suppliers. Sometimes they will refuse to bag and bubble wrap um, and won't ship directly to Amazon. So we uh, take that in. And that was the first uh, and main reason for um, getting a warehouse. Uh, but it's grown. It's grown enough that it's, it'd be really hard for us to close some of these, like a lot of labor. Um, you definitely want to consider how you want it set up in terms of like how your employees are, if you're going to have a conveyor belt, well, you got to have electricity and probably internet access. Um, internet access actually gets a little bit more complicated when you're talking about lots of devices and large square footage. We've had to pay some, uh, some big bills to, to roll that out and even electricity to, to put it on the floor. Um, to our machines, the way that we like it set up, it's very expensive. So there's going to be a, an initial setup cost that's always going to be higher than you want. Um, I've set up uh, several warehouses, and um, you know you got to get printers and you got to get uh, computers, and then you know you got to get internet, and it's always more expensive than you want. If you have to like, oh, you're in a business building, oh, we're just going to charge you differently, and then we have to do this setup. There's some hoops to jump. It's always going to take a little bit longer and a little bit more money than you want. Um, so know that going into it. Um, we started collecting a lot of hazmat products. We, we hit our allotment. This reminds me, I should probably try and ask for more. We started to collect pallets of this stuff. They were either misorders or whatever reason. They're there for many reasons, just has messed up. And so we started setting up a merchant fulfillment station and now we're pretty good at it. We sell a hundred products a day on products that we just couldn't send into FBA. And some of these sales do fairly well. Uh, merchant fulfillment does have there. There's a reason that um, the company pharma packs, who is actually the top Amazon seller, they do mainly merchant fulfillment. There's a reason uh, that they do merch fulfillment. There's some ways to really make a lot of money. If people do uh, multi-unit orders, um, you start to really uh, make huge shipping savings and you can really make them very profitable because, uh, you know, FBA, you pay an FBA fee for every single product 
And I guarantee you, Amazon saves a lot by combining those products in multi-unit sales. So I, it, it's nice once you have a warehouse space, you can consider stuff like that. Like, oh, we can merch fulfill this. Like, uh, we got some oversized stuff. You can start doing some of Amazon's programs, such as Seller Fulfilled Prime and FBA Onsite. We do do Seller Fulfilled Prime, and, but we actually do it regionally where we are self-fulfilled prime for locations that are within two-day ground shipping of Indianapolis. We don't pay any extra for shipping. We actually reach 53% of the U.S. population by doing ground shipping there. So that's awesome to get the prime badge for no extra cost. And this is all made possible because of, a, of, of having a warehouse where we're able to organize and shelve these things. And then after uh, merchant fulfillment, one of the things that uh, we built into not intentionally is some uh, backstocking some of this inventory. We've uh, built up some vertical storage. That's where you, um, you know, you're able to stack pallets on top of each other. You can rent a, uh, a pallet jack that will raise and lower these. Some of these machines are actually affordable. So if you're looking in a warehouse, you know, having um, high ceilings is great because it allows you to um, have some of this vertical storage. Why would you need vertical storage? There's often reasons. Um, say something doesn't sell exactly as fast as you want, or there's a minimum order quantity higher than um, you want to send in. Being able to sit on inventory uh, for a short uh, time can save you tens or hundreds or thousands of dollars right now. I know it's saving us quite a deal because of Q4 storage fees. You want just-in-time inventory, and this allows us to do that. Um, our top-selling SKU, you know, its storage fees are eighteen hundred a month right now because uh, uh, Q4 is ramping up, and we also have ten thousand units of that sitting in our warehouse. Our, our storage fees would be about $4,000 just for this one product a month if we had it all in stock. So this allows us to do just-in-time inventory. And in a lot of ways, it, hel it helps justify the expense of, of the warehouse itself. So yeah, you, the, some of the features that we always consider, um, I mean, uh, is, is high ceilings. Um, you're going to want a loading dock that goes without saying, you know, if you're going to start getting some really big shipments from trucks, uh, you need some loading docks. It sounds like a convenience, but as, as you get bigger, you really want a uh, break room with a kitchen. A training room has been, we use it a lot. I didn't expect us to use it a lot, but we do. Um, an office for interviews. Um, and, you know, you know, sometimes you, employees need to talk. You, you, you definitely want to consider some um, office or some uh, closed door spaces. I've seen different warehouses where some of them are just like one huge floor, just like one big room, looks like football fields of just like space. Or some that have like some walls. Um, walls, I tend to enjoy having walls. It, it allows to compartmentalize different teams um, say your shippers are doing something and they're loud and they're, you know, moving, rolling stuff around. And then those that are actually working and prepping the products, they're in a separate room. And so they're uh, able to focus a little bit more that I think it keeps noise 
down and it's uh, better for focus. But then again, you know, it's nice to look across the entire warehouse and see what's going on over there and see if uh, there's people that you wanted to needed to talk to to coordinate. And then um, if you do have walls, you got to make sure these doors are good and big enough for pallets to, to roll through at any moment. Those are just the, the, the few things that I do to consider it. And so um, if you're at that spot where you're able to branch out, there's a lot to consider because you're going to be signing a lease that can be one, two, three, or five year lease. It's, it's a, it's a real commitment. And these leases, uh, they don't break easily. We did sublet one. Um, as we closed a space, uh, we probably ate one or two months rent. And then we found a, a tenant to replace us. Uh, but you're on the hook and there's not a lot of ways out of it. So, so think long and hard about it. And if you have any questions about this, definitely reach out. I have seen us make a few mistakes that hopefully uh, you can avoid. Um, we were able to, you know, using the same um, broker, um, move from one warehouse to another without breaking the leases because we're signing new ones in a bigger space and they get more money. So um, you definitely can build a relationship with a broker that can help you grow. You could start small and then grow from there. Uh, like I said, like you can invest in, uh, in the infrastructure of these buildings. It makes it harder to leave them. So I'm not sure you always want to do that, but um you know, when you have uh, these vertical storage units that we've built, uh, the conveyor belts, the electricity, all things in, you know, we've spent uh, tens of thousands of dollars to, to make these warehouses efficient for us. And um, it shows, uh, you know, our employees are just like laser focused. So um, it, it's also one of those things where maybe it's like a, a you're, you're hesitant because the numbers don't quite make sense. But I also think it's one of those key uh, steps to take into, in a business's lifetime to take themselves seriously. Sometimes the hardest thing, to do, the harder thing to do is like what helps you grow as a company. And, uh, you know, it increases everyone's like buy-in. Like we've got this space, like we got to start acting in, you know, a little bit more... Uh, professional and, and uh, it's, it's like sending your kids to college. You know, you could go to a local university or, or they can move across uh, the nation. The ones that move across the nation, they have to grow up a little bit faster. That's just a fact. And that's what a warehouse is. It, it forces you to grow up as a company a little bit faster. You got to be a little bit more disciplined with your finances and uh, your, your commitment. So those are what, I, that's what I consider. And, um, so lots covered on this episode. If uh, you liked this or if you know someone's going through a, a similar situation, do us both a favor and uh, you know share. feel free to share this podcast with other people. That would be a, a huge compliment to me and we can get a lot of just more people involved. Um, I Here's actually a sponsor that I've, I talk with regularly. That's one of the people that I, I met in New York City this last week is Payability. They do sponsor this show and um, they've given me a link that does give you guys a benefit, but I'm going to tell you why you should use them or why you should not. So why you shouldn't is if you have your finances in order and your cash flow in order, you're paying them a fee and um, it could be one to 2% 
I don't know exactly what their structure is. I do not know on my link, it starts you at a better rate. I'm at 1.75 as opposed to the normal 2%. And you also get $200 um, just for signing up and, and using their service on your, your first time. It's Q4 and there's a, a great chance that you know, you're squeezing money um, and they can be a service that you'd want to consider. My link I'll throw in on the show notes is uh, go.payability.com slash number one seller. Um, here's why you would use this service. I think everyone at the meetup talked about, everyone that's a new seller, they talk about cash flow. Cash flow, cash flow. You know, your inventory decisions get really awkward sometimes because of like just how much money you have in the bank. You know the sales that you're doing. You know, um, how quickly you're going to be selling through this inventory, but you don't have that money in the bank when you need it in order to make these purchases or say you want to consider air shipping your products because if not, you're going to have a stock out. And you, to avoid a stock out, you just kind of need that money. And so you can just get every, get your numbers together and consider like, okay, payability is going to give me you know 80 to 90% of what I'm owed by Amazon today. And I'm going to be paying them. This is their fee for that. And I'm going to take home this and I can make this type of inventory decision or, um, you know, pay, you know, make payroll at this point of the year, you should be extending, uh, your cash completely. You should be using, extending your credit cards or whatever, but the biggest pool of money that you have is what Amazon is holding on to. And that's what payability works with. So, um, support uh, this show by supporting the sponsor, but really don't do it for, for me at all. Do it. Uh, I'm, I'm actually signing up with them because I see, um, you know, right around Cyber Monday, you know, we're going to be at our max and hopefully we are, uh, you know, by taking in uh, maybe two, $300,000, we're going to able to get a bigger Christmas than if we didn't like, uh, you know, make the, make the educated choice here. All right. Have a good one guys. And I'll catch you on the next episode. One, two, three. This episode has been produced by LaunchPod Media.